We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Chris Persianen here. Welcome to the very first episode of Draft Class. Uh, This is Nick Film School's newest show. It's going to be weekly uh, episodes about the 2022 NBA draft, the New York Knickerbockers, how they might get themselves involved in this year's draft, what kind of players they might be interested, who specifically in this draft fits those molds of players, um, how those guys that we're going to get to talking about can and might develop here in New York. We'll explore everything, even at some point, probably trading the pick, see what you know is out there as well. But this show is something I am very, very excited to launch um, from John and Andrew and Jeremy, everyone here at KFS. I want to thank them. And I also want to thank you guys as well, uh, just for all the support and for you know helping me get to this point where I now get to hang out with you guys once a week here on the KFS feed, where you usually get your Knicks Film School shows. And uh, just every Saturday, I'm going to get together, going to talk some NBA draft. And uh, yeah, (laughs) so that's about it. I'm really excited. Um, Again, just to get to chat with everyone, get to have different guests on. So every single week, going to look to have a different guest on, new brain to pick. Um, I absolutely love letting different people paint their own pictures of the New York Knicks and what they should look to add to that painting and how they would paint those additions themselves. Everyone sees those prospects differently. Everyone sees the Knicks prospects differently. Um, And that's why a big focus of uh, this show for me is going to be getting some people that are much smarter than myself on with me um, and allowing them to answer all those questions. I know you guys have of course, we're getting my own takes off too. You guys know I cannot avoid pushing my agendas. But uh, again, I just I get to hang out with my Knicks family here at KFS uh, and talk draft with you guys every week. For that, I am grateful. Speaking of people smarter than me that we're going to have on, today's guest is Prez. I will give him a very formal intro here at the start of the interview. But just before then, just to run it one more time for y'all, that's 
at underscore Presidente on Twitter. He is the Strickland's resident draft expert. Their head honcho over there at Draft Strickland. And uh, I'm very excited to be able to have him on the show and get to get some of his opinions on the Knicks, who they currently have, who they might be targeting. Uh, I definitely kept it very philosophical for this first episode. And and the reason for that is because you want to start, you know, looking at what the problems even are before you look at how you're going to address them or or you guys get the point. So coming up is yours truly interviewing Prez of the Strickland. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to draft class. We've got at underscore Presidente. Uh, on Twitter is where you can find him. We've got Prez in the house, the Strickland's resident draft president. You guys know how it is. Um, I love talking draft and, and hoops in general with Prez. And when I had the chance to choose a first guest for draft class, it was real easy for me because I know who I love talking draft with the most. Prez, how you doing? Yo, I am feeling highly favored and very illustrious to be the kickoff guest for this uh, awesome, awesome show. Uh, we love Nick's Film School. We love draft class now. So I'm I'm all about it. I'm doing great. This is my time of the year. As much as I wish the Knicks were playing, you know, I may or may not have skipped the playing games to continue watching college guys. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I know I'm going to watch the actual playoffs, but this is the most fun time for me because it's both playoffs and like pre-draft. Yeah. We just had, um, what was it? The MLB and NFL off season at the same time. And now we get NBA playoffs and the start of NBA draft cycle season. Um, certainly the spring, a very fun time to be a sports fan, especially this specific one with all these delays, you know, with those, those off seasons, but thank you again for coming on. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here on, on this debut episode. And given that this is the first episode of the show and the show is about the New York Knicks and, and uh, Knicks perspective on the NBA draft. Well, I figured the best place to start would be um, with a self dissection, a self analysis. I wanted to get your thoughts on what the Knicks already have to work with prospect wise. Now I know Guys like Farron Hunt, uh, you know, might not be worth a full breakdown, you know, just contract uncertainty and things of the sort. Don't worry. And then I know Mitchell Robinson is a question mark as to whether he'll be here long term or not. But, you know, regardless of that, there is in the regards to guards, we've got quickly McBride, Joku Betis, Wings, Barrett, Grimes, Reddish, forwards and bigs, Toppin, Robinson, Sims. The effervescent Taj Gibson, you know, uh, a lot of young guys here in New York. Just to start generally, how do you feel about this young core in regards to just the totality of it? How other people feel about it? Do you think we're getting underrated, overrated? How do you feel about the state of the New York Knicks young core right now? Um, I definitely think it's underrated. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but I think these guys had to really try to mold themselves to Randall ball and slow Tibbs ball. And once he shut it down and even a little before that, um, we got to see what it looks like when it's not that way. Right. Um, I, I think 
the best example, and this this applies to the young guys, but it also applies to the older guys like Fournier and and Burks. Like we got a lot of guys who can dribble, pass, shoot, but we didn't really get to see that for most of the year. Guys like Fournier were reduced to very little dribbling. Guys like Burks were, you know, he's a dribble, pass, shoot guy, but he was probably asked to dribble a little too much. Um, you know, quickly is not on the ball as much. Toppin even wasn't on the ball as much. And, uh, and you know, you get it, right? Because Randall takes so much usage and so does RJ, so that doesn't leave much else. And we didn't really see that vision ever come to fruition until the, the end of the season where, you know, the ball was popping and then it's like, oh, like someone gets a screen and anybody, everybody can shoot a pull-up jumper or keep the ball moving. And right. guys like to do kick-aheads and stuff like that. So... I th- I put a poll on Twitter today. Like, who do you who do you think is more likely to be most improved player if they start Obi or IQ next year? And mm. Obi won by a lot, which I totally get. Um, but m- my greater point is like by not playing those two in particular, um, their value is a lot lower than it'll be this time next year. Like, I'm pretty confident saying that. I don't think yeah. I think the genie's out of the bottle with those two, like the front office and even Tibbs is probably like, okay, we gotta, we gotta tap into that next year. We can't just, we can't just brush that under the rug no more. Like that's legit. We've been winning, right? Like Tibbs is all about winning and even he will see that. So um, that's why I think like their trade value this time next year will be much, much higher. Um, Yeah, for sure. Win horse, you know, at the deadline said uh Nick's young core wasn't garnering a whole lot of interest. Um, Berman just said really recently on the Knicks Buzz podcast that Thibodeau privately has acknowledged, yeah, he should have played definitely top in more, wow. maybe, maybe McBride more earlier in the year, and that he leaned too much on the veterans. And if that's coming from Berman, you know, that's something I'm I'm really yeah. listening to there. Um good for Tibbs and it may, it may have <laughs> taken a magnifying glass in front directly in front of the evidence, you know, and a bunch of people yelling at you to look in the magnifying glass, but the the lesson was apparently learned, and maybe that's why um, we see Rose so confident in in Thibodeau and his coaching. You know, in that that letter to season ticket holders, um, yeah, like you were saying with quickly, you know, and Toppin. Just the fact that I realistically think either one of them could be the most improved yep. player next year. Yep. Exactly, <laughs> that says a lot about how Tibbs you know, kind of sideline them, but that also just says a lot about how good they are. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I know, like we've talked for a while about like Obi being a big connector sort of player and, and that impact that he has is, you know, kind of infectious on the offensive end, getting everyone sharing the ball, those IQ give and goes that uh, Benji just pointed out in that thread the other day, you know, that they've been running all season. Like, these kids love moving the ball and it's just so antithetical to what we see when Randall and Tibbs are doing their, you know, 36 minutes a game of pound, 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 maybe fade away or turnover, you know? So it's like, yeah, I, I definitely get your point um, to, to get, you know, angle towards just this year's draft a bit. And, and now, you know, the, the angle of adding guys, um, we'll, we'll start with the guards. So the Knicks projected at 12th right now on, if you look on tankathon, I know the play in, um, in the, the rest of it has like some effect on, on the seating. Right. But basically Ivy is 
the the big fetch, right? I think that's fair to say when it comes yeah. to guards. Jaden Ivy seems to be the golden goose, the absolute, you know, uh, dragon egg to use Nick's Illustrated's favorite term for like really promising young players. Just that seems to be the, the top top shiny, you know, dream. Um, but why do you think that is? And I, I want to get a little like philosophical here, just because. I don't know if the Knicks will be in range to select Jaden Ivy on draft night, but do you think it's just because the thought of, Oh, Knicks need point guard. This point guard is good. Or do you think that having a penetrating point guard like Ivy really could unlock several of our young guys, you know, getting their games going in completely different ways. What's your stance there? I don't think Ivy's a point guard yet. He certainly could be because anybody with his kind of scoring gravity and athletic gifts right you don't have to be steve nash out here if you draw that much attention and you're that fast but um like just you know you hit it like he's downhill he's a downhill guard and we don't really iq gets downhill and rj gets downhill but it's through craft and i mean quickly quick and fast in his own right but he's not Ivy's like a turbo jet engine, which is a whole nother level. So it's definitely some of that. Like the Knicks haven't had a guy who can just explode and work with defense like that since probably Steph. And that's Steph Marbury, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the kids listening. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, he's just, um, you know, he's really like he can do all the athletic downhill stuff, but he's also a solid shooter. Um, I know he ended the year shooting pretty horribly in his last <laughs> like third of the season, but the kid shot 40% through high school. And, you know, I'm not saying he's Fournier or quickly, but he's very reliable. And, you know, he had high degree of difficulty shots, a lot of pull-ups yep. from like beyond NBA range and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if, if you can shoot and you could go downhill and you can create space like that and you're not an absolute ball hog, like that's a pretty sweet, you know, yeah. starter set right there. Like he has other flaws, but I'm not really tripping over those. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the level of talent where you just deal with it. Uh, that's when you start telling yourself, ah, oh, there's pros and cons to everything. Ah, you're just going right, right, right. <laughs> to, that's when you talk yourself into whatever, because the talent that is there is just so ostensibly valuable. Right. So I, I get what you're saying. You know, your point about the downhill, like there's a reason I was all over Colin Sexton as a potential grab last season, just adding like a different dimension to this offense, you know, and, and one that I think could help bolster the the games of our other young young pieces you know like quickly playing next to a guard that can get downhill and create a lot of rim pressure well with his spacing you know he might be having a pretty fun conversation there with that that two-man lineup um but to to speak of kentucky guards i'm gonna make you do a sigh right now uh you've been very public about your please stop mocking ty ty washington to the Knicks agenda. Uh, and I'm there with you. I think Ty Ty is going to be a good NBA player. I have no interest in the Knicks utilizing a lottery pick on him. Um, but for all the people that say the Knicks need a guard, you know, let's, I want to head to the other end of the spectrum now, <laughs> make the case as to why they don't need a guard in Ty Ty, you know, um, and, and maybe on the other end of things as well, are there any guards, maybe not even in the lottery, but just, that late first or early second range as well. I know we have that Detroit pick um, 
are there any guards you really like that can create that rim pressure and fit that kind of mold that Ivy is seems to be in without, you, you know, maybe they don't have that extra layer of athleticism to make their game as dynamic, but just talk targets for me, the anti tie tie case and, and who instead may, may fit better here. Yeah. Tie ties. Tie ties a great prospect. Um, this is also a poor year for guards. There's a lot of guards. Yeah. Like you can, we can debate like, okay, tie tie Kennedy chant for point guards. I should say there's actually a lot of good shooting guards, but like tie tie and Kennedy Chandler and Dyson Daniels, probably the best point guards. And I mean, last year was a historic draft, so it's kind of unfair to compare it, but there's tons of guards from that class who I'd take over all of those guys. And, um, you know, what Tai Tai brings are things that are not downhill rim pressure. It's really good from the mid range. Phenomenal. I think he's going to be a phenomenal shooter from three. Um, he's not athletic, but he's long six, three, six, eight wingspan. Um, so he's good. He's also a really smart cerebral passer, but like he's not a better prospect. He's certainly not a better prospect than quickly, not even in the same universe. Yep. Um, and then I also don't think he's a better point guard prospect than Deuce or Rokas. Um, Mm. the the Rokas we have now is not the Rokas we drafted. If, if he, he was, when he was drafted, he was very much a second round pick. And then he went back for another year with his team in Barcelona and the starting point guard, Nick Calatis, former NBA guy, six, six. I was going to say, yeah. And Rojas took the, took the reins and ran with it. he's probably going to win the rising star award this year, which if you look at all the other guys who won it, you know, yeah, there's some Barnianis in there, but most of the guys are NBA guys. It's, it's Usman Garuba, it's Nikola Miritich, my guy, Roka's teammate, who looks like a monster. He could definitely play in the NBA, by the way, right now. He's just enjoying Spain, and I'm yep. assuming they pay him a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like because of the type of guard Tai Tai is, that's why I'm not really, exactly. I don't think it's that a good mold. fit. Yeah. Cause uh, like if you want a good mid range guard, you, we have Deuce, who's a very good mid range shooter and better at defense and probably equally as good passing and more athletic. If you want a downhill guard, well, Rokas does that and now quickly does that. So you just, you know, I know you wanted to get into like archetypes of players that the Knicks have. He doesn't give us anything new. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say a player we pick has to give us something new, but if they're bringing something, if there's overlap, they have to be really good at it basically. So he doesn't, he doesn't like as good as he is at mid range shooting, he's not blowing quickly and deuce out the water. So I'm passing on him. Um, But there's other guards later in the draft, like for that Detroit pick. Um, This was my, my second part here. So who do you like, you know, who, what guys move you? Is it someone like Chandler who can pressure the rim despite, you know, some other concerns or. Well, I, I'm not really looking too much towards point guardy guys personally even though like Chandler and Montero are legit in their own right like but it's just the same things like they're not so much better at one particular thing than quickly is that I'm like willing to figure it out um I mean yeah. Chandler gets downhill like crazy but he's also tiny so it's kind of a a wash there but like you know I'm, I'm on Twitter always talking about Alondas Williams he's 
someone you could probably get in the second round, honestly, because he's so old and he hasn't shot well and he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and he's also can probably play with guys like he can be the ball handling point guard, but he's six, five and big, large, thick, strong, whatever word you want to use. So he could probably play with an IQ off ball. And what I think people don't realize is even last year when our offense was fake good for the second half of the season, right? Like it was good with one downhill rim guy and super saiyan julius but most top 15 top 10 offenses you have to have a lot of easy baskets and a lot of driving kick yeah and you can't have a lot of driving kick if you only have one guy who drives so like even though i want quickly to get as many reps as possible next year i would love to have somebody next to him in addition to rj who can also break down the defense now they don't have to get all the minutes right like i love grimes he's not going to break down the defense he should totally play next to quick. So I'm not saying who they get needs no, to, of course. you know, usurp the minutes, but like, it's just a skill that is where we've just been missing for so long. And um, you even saw kind of the effects of it late this season when you had RJ and quick, both breaking down defenses a little bit. So give me a third guy, give me a fourth guy, screw it. Why not? And yep. um, if you're going to take a flyer, you could do that on someone like Alondis Williams. You can do that on, I don't know, someone like J.D. Davison or Blake Wesley. There's a lot, or Bryce McGowan's. Like, those guys aren't gonna, all point guards. I was waiting on McGowan's. McGowan's like legit, him. man. Yeah, he can, it's, like, size. He, he's 6'7", yeah. he's athletic, <laughs> he's he's skinny, but he's, like, a strong skinny, not a weak skinny. Um, He just, I love his shot, even though the shot selection and the percentages are kind of nutty. Um, Yeah. But he has some stuff you can't teach. Uh about and just like like you were saying, just getting to the rim and being able to spread the floor and fill up the the stat sheet. Um, you know, there's a lot of it's how they use that second pick if they use it at all is fascinating because there's so like they have a roster crunch right now. So I don't I have no idea how the front office is. They're going to move some of the kids or move Westchester. I mean if, that too. If there's a second pick, my my first thought is if it's a primary, you know, if someone yeah they think can ever be a primary ball analyst, they're gonna let him go do that in Westchester. Yeah, um, that's and, what they did with Deuce. Exactly, and focus yeah, on yeah. giving Deuce minutes with the main club next year. So yeah, I can yeah. totally see that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My girlfriend is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. 
I want to pivot a little bit positionally um, and and get into some wings. So I know you have some some of these first round wings you love. Uh, but again, I want to start looking inward. We've got RJ Barrett, Cameron Reddish, Quentin Grimes, um, all different from each other. But we want to talk molds, right? Uh, well, what kind of player, what kind of mold of wing is there or rather, is there one that completes that, that trio into a, a group of four wings that just, you know, two starters, two backups that are, you know, compatible in multiple ways. The lineup versatility is there. Is there a mold of guy that you think that would just be perfect to add to those three? Um, and if so, you know, are there any guys in this upcoming draft, whether it's an Eason or a Sochan, or you, if you want to go and, and talk about AJ or, or Benny, um, go ahead. But just, you know, do you see there being a mold of wing out there at all? That is like perfectly complimentary to add anything the Knicks should really prioritize. Yeah. There's a couple of types of wings with certain skill intersections that we don't have. Um, we you mentioned earlier that Obi is kind of like a big connector. Yep. And but I don't even like like you were when you were categorizing our guys earlier. He's not really a wing, right? Even though he plays the four, he's a small big. Yeah, I I, I put him as a forward slash big because that I don't yeah. know how else to yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. So I don't we don't have a a wing connector that's a big wing or a small wing. And by wing connector, I mean somebody who's who doesn't make mistakes and who is in the right place at the right time on defense and can, uh, can get the ball after somebody else drives and kicks and immediately pass it to somebody else who's even more open or pass so it to somebody else who's under the hoop. Does someone like Lonzo ball just to get an NBA comparison out there that kind of feels a little bit like what you're describing. Would you say that that is in line with that or, or is there someone else you think of? Cause I, no. I agree. Lonzo's definitely the guy. There's other versions of that. Caruso's another one. Josh Hart's thought, another one. I thought one. of him too, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Um, Quentin Grimes sometimes gets a little bit like that, to be honest. Like he has moments where he'll catch a ball and then touch pass, no look it to somebody. So, you know, he's he got a little bit of that salt base sprinkled on. Um, those are always the three I, I come up with. I don't, I'm sure there's more in the NBA, but like Hart, Lonzo, Caruso are the ones I, I always come back to. Um, what's his face on? Memphis, uh, the combo guard, Melton. He's Mal- another Anthony one. Melton, Schwinn's guy. Schwinn's guy, that's right. Um, where he's like the turn the defense up version of that. Um, Marcus Smart is like a super turn the defense all the way up version of that, to be honest. Um, yep. So there's, there's lots of different versions of that. And in this class, there are a couple guys who have elements of that. Um, uh, Actually, um, I'll plug something that isn't from the Strickland um, at draft pow on Twitter, just wrote an article on the stepping about this very subject. And it's, it's like the best thing I've read this draft cycle. It's really, wow. yeah, it's about categorizing connectors. So like if this, I feel like Chris, like he took like our DMS and just like fully formed an articulated article with clips. About I was going to say, we've been talking about this for so long. That sounds like an article I need to read like tonight. <laughs> yeah, dude. So in this draft, um, Matherin, he's a little more on the smaller wing side. He's Love like six, five, but he's, he showed like he can run a pick and roll. Even if he's not, you know, tween cross, hezzy to the rim, 
jelly. He can, he can touch pass. He can run a pick and roll, throw a lob. He can throw a cross court pass. He's in the right place a lot on offense. He can cut without the ball because he reads what the defense is doing. Sohan is like a bigger version of that. Although he's a little bit more uh, of a developmental kind of project. Um, he does a lot of that. He did a lot of that this year playing different positions and especially on defense. He, he is like that where he's just in the right place in the right time. Um, yeah. Ari is not like that at all on offense, but he is like that on defense <laughs> in terms of just being in the right place and reading yeah. two passes ahead. I love Jeremy, man. That, that is an agenda I've been put onto and I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm missing someone else. Um, Johnny Davis is also kind of in that group. Like he He's was the first, he was the first, second and third option for Wisconsin. Um, on defense, he's very much in the right place in the right time. He has some staggering defensive plays that I had to like rewind. Like it was a poster dunk or something like that. Like the man is like, it looks like he's like ice skating sometimes the way he just gets around screens and sprints. And then on offense, he, you know, the big question with him is whether you're talking about his passing or his inefficiency, it's like how much of it is because he had to take all the shots versus how much of it is like, no, he's a Chuck. He wants to take all the shots. Right. So I don't uh, know. Yeah. He's one of those guys who like, you know, Lonzo was touted as being, you know, Jason Kidd or whatever primary yeah. ball handler. But when you, like take a couple of those reality pills after a couple of years <laughs> and the development plays out. Well, Holy crap. You have a really, really good player on your hands. You just have to look at them from a different lens than the one you originally planned to. Davis could totally be one of those guys where like, if the primary upside doesn't play out, he's still really, really good with all those other ancillary skills. Um, and you know, he might, that just might go under people's noses cause he didn't end up being Jamal Murray, you know, like I, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. I forgot my guy, Dyson Daniels. Um, he's the other obvious connectory guy. Um, I was going to ask about him <laughs> at some point, if you didn't bring him up, just cause I get asked about him on Twitter all the time. He's probably the prospect. I get tagged in tweets about most. like, what do you think about this kid for the Knicks? I got to say Dyson Daniels, probably the number one fan interested prospect so far this cycle. He gets a lot of love from, uh, not just like nerds on Twitter, like me, but like actually ESPN and stuff. And he's, as a name, he's been out here for a while. Like he was the best player on FIBA's under 19 Australia team. They weren't that good. You know, Josh Giddy and other guys weren't playing, but uh, he was the guy for, for Australia versus the USA and Canada and all these other good teams. And he was playing actual point guard. And then he went to the ignite with all these other big time dudes and was playing point guard again. Like they chose him to be the point guard and will he play point guard in the NBA? I don't know, maybe, but he could definitely, he definitely does all the connectory stuff where it's he'll get the swing and then make a pass that you didn't know was possible in the moment or something like that. <laughs> shoot for the stars with guys like him. And still, even if you don't make it land, with a yes. really good player. Yeah. That even if you don't get to that upside directly, um, well, there's still a lot there to enjoy, to, to reap the benefits of. Um, totally. And, and yeah. So, you know, with a guy, like when I think about, you know, uh, even like I say, say Tari Eason on the Knicks, right? Like mm -hmm. we're not drafting him to be the team's star wing. 
We're not drafting him to be the team's second star wing. We're drafting him to like go get gritty, like go get nasty in the trenches and grab those boards and body guys out the pain and you know, set screens. And you, you, you know, like it's okay when you're in the lottery to not shoot for a superstar or like need a superstar, you know, like good players get picked nine, 10, 11, 12 that are like, just good and it ends up being okay the key uh, is exactly what you described is getting a guy who you can shoot for the stars and you can envision like okay what are the three things that have to go right for this person to be a star but if none of those things happen they're still a very solid player and that's why i like guys like tari guys like dyson guys like johnny because they're so good at certain things already that you know, I wish they all became awesome three-point shooters and super willing passers. But if that doesn't happen, they're still pretty solid. But like we've seen from our development team, usually you're getting at least one, if not two of those important developments. Like with RJ, he went from a non-shooter to a solid shooter. He's not Jason Tatum out here, but he's a solid shooter. And, you know, he went from somebody who, doesn't get to the line or drive quite as much as you want to somebody who's really good at those two things. And then quickly forget it quickly is already, you can classify his development as like, all, like very unlikely things are happening right now. For yeah. Quickly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, I, I know, um, like people always say, Oh, well, development isn't just like upgrading a video game character or whatever, but it literally just feels yeah. like RJ and <laughs> quickly the last two years have just been like, they'll wake up to be like, yo, I think I have a, um, hezzy dribble cross step back now. Like I think and they'll just, right. they'll just whip it out one game. And then from then on it's, it's coming out, you know, like it literally just feels like they're upgrading their attributes. <laughs> um, cause they're getting so good so fast. Uh, with that being said, and this is a perfect transition because this next group of guys I want to talk about, definitely some development to be done here. You know, big men in the NBA, especially if they are a five, uh, they got to be brought along, right? There's a, a path from becoming a dominant college center uh, to to even starting in the NBA, right? Like you just, there's a little bit of a, a way to go there. And we're looking at a situation where I was just talking about this on the, the Knicks film school uh, mailbag with John. Um, if Mitch does walk, like who would the Knicks look at who I brought up Clint Capella as someone maybe that I would be interested in if they decide to swing for Rudy, right? Like see if you could snag him. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein, someone else that came up. Uh, but there's two centers uh, specifically, you know, projected to go around this lottery this year um, that I, I got to set the table with right now. That's Jalen Duran and Mark Williams. I know that's probably who you were expecting me to bring up because those two guys have been getting all the buzz. It seems like Williams is getting kind of like the dark horse style buzz where he he's the developmental big, you know, um, and Durin, the guy that some people seem to think has offensive star upside. So out of those two, um, philosophically to start as always, you know, with Jericho on the team, um, with Mitchell Robinson, you know, whether he's back or not, like we can start there. Would you be interested in bringing in Duran or Mark Williams and bringing back Mitch, or would you only be interested in drafting a center if Mitch were to walk? And then if so, which one of the two? Definitely the latter. Um, I don't 
I don't think it makes sense to have three centers who are all similar and deserving of playing time. You're doing them all a disservice. You know, even Jericho and Mitch as returning players are still young and developing. So uh, it, it, I would feel really bad to have like Mitch and then one of Jericho and Duran or Williams just collecting dust for the whole season. Westchester's cool, but it ain't that cool. So like I, I would have a pathway set before the draft if I was the front office. And if Mitch was walking, uh, then I would definitely consider those guys. Um, Duran in particular, uh, he's a marvel. He's, he's a beast. Let's he's hear just, about it. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's like six, nine, six, 10, 250, probably has like a 40 inch for seven foot five wingspan, which is an inch shorter than Chet and two inches shorter than Mark Williams. Um, so all three of them got go, go gadget arms. Um, <laughs> he's the youngest of the bunch by a lot. He's not going to be 19 on the draft on draft day. Um, he's actually a pretty solid on the move passer, like kind of like what we saw from Jericho Sims at the end of the season. He's, he's willing to, to catch on the roll and pass or get a rebound and kick out and things like that. Um, he moves super well. Um, he's fleet of foot, you know, he could guard outside guard inside. Um, it's, you know, you mentioned it before, but almost anybody who, unless you're a top three elite, indeed, Mobley cat type center, it, it almost always takes a couple of years of seasoning to really, yeah. be like even the, even real studs, Bam Adebayo, Onyeka Okongu, both of them, three years. It's almost always three years. So you draft Darren, that's not to say they don't play in the first two years, but before you can really hand them the keys, uh, probably a couple of years. So, you know, if Mitch is walking, then you pull, then it's a very interesting question for the front office, right? It's do you make Jericho the starting center as a second year NBA player who's just sort of blew up at the end of the season and then have, you know, one of these guys as the backup? Is that enough a safety net for Tibbs before he has like a heart attack or something? I don't know. Yeah, no. Taj will be starting. <laughs> I jokingly mentioned Taj as part Gosh. of the young core earlier. This <laughs> is not a joke. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, if you want to do something like that, you have to Tibbs proof it. You have to not have Taj back. You Those two have to be your only two real centers. And then your only other option at center has to be like OB toppers. I was going to say, this is how we get the OB at five minutes is by making Jericho Sims and Jalen Duran his only two other options. So that's how yeah. we, then he'll play OB. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, nah, assuming, you know, if Mitch is gone, then if Mitch is gone, then you assume the front office probably wants a more stable starter. In which case that you have, you know, you mentioned Hartenstein Capella, and then you have Sims and then you have whoever you draft. So that's still the three center problem. So it's kind of a tricky situation. So uh, the way and how, what situation results in us drafting a center with our pick? I don't know, really, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Duran, your guy of the two, that's interesting. Um, I think that is definitely the more fun choice. Uh, Williams, really cool, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> For where the Knicks are right now, do we want to use a pick that high on a guy we're going to spend that many years waiting on? It's it's 
genuinely a question. You know, it's a tough one. The other um, thing is real quick, oh, you know, ahead. the context of the individual draft matters. So this, this draft is weaker than last year, but one place this draft is deep is in centers who are good, but not great. So you could, I, there's 100% chance basically that with that Detroit pick, you could get a center who would normally be a first rounder. There's, yep. there's Kamagate from France. There's uh, Walker Kessler. There's Coloco. There's, those are the more like mixy rebound, big rim run dunk kind of guys. Yep. There's other centers as well. Um, so there, you know, if you must get a center, who has a chance to get buried. Like you said, don't do it with the lottery pick, just do it later. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think they got to look uh, personally first at wings. If they're going to be picking like 12th. Um, yeah. I, I want us to grab, you know, either Jeremy <laughs> or Tari or, or one of those guys. And then if not look at Dyson or whoever, and if not them, I really wouldn't mind, you know, looking at trading the pick. It just depends on who's gone. Yeah. Right. But uh, to start looking at wrapping up here, you did just mention, you know, probably not the move to take one of these bigs in the lottery, considering the depth here that leaves us with guards and wings. As I said, um, if you had to pick one guy from each position group, you could guarantee <laughs> one of them, you know, like, so you give me two names. I don't know. We don't know who. But one of the two would become a New York Knicks. So I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you pick someone. Just you got to. There's a little bit up to chance here, but give me one guard and one wing. And randomly, one of the two of these guys will become a New York Knick. Who's your pick from each position group there? So give you two guards and two wings. One, one of each, one of each. But not including the top, top guys. I can't just be like Chad Holmgren. Yeah, nah, no. Okay. So, you know, maybe uh, I'll say Matherin's the, the, the best guy that you could you could throw in there. Someone projected maybe five to eight range. All right. So I'm looking at my uh my latest board here. Let me see. Um Biggs, I mean Duran's the one in the top 10, but whatever. Wings. Uh I really, really like Tari. Um I'm gonna consider AJ Griffin, Sharp, and Keegan in that too good for this hypothetical situation. Yep. yep. Sadly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, so just like after the first group of guys, I have Duran, not in any particular order. I have Duran, Eason, Johnny Davis, and Matherin together in this tier of, if one of them falls 12, that would be super duper exciting. Um, so for guard, I would say Johnny or Matherin for sure. Um, for wing, Eason, it's definitely the guy. I just love Tari Eason. Yeah. Um, if if we take Johnny and Matherin out of the picture, and you ask me, guard, then that's where it becomes very interesting to me. Um, I was going to say that's where trading out probably gets to be like a real consideration for you. Yeah, because as that's one of that's a situation where I say if on the front office definitely consider trading out but if there's a guy who you love and you're higher on if you think dyson daniels is you know his his potential is great right like he's been playing point guard his whole life why is no one giving him credit as a possible point guard who's also six six no six eight i forgot he grew yep and, six you eight. know <laughs> you know if you see Jaden hardy and you're like man 
he went through the grinder in, in, in the G league and his stock is down, but he was a top five guy and he's splashy as hell. And I was going go to go to Johnny real. Bryant, Johnny Bryant's camp for distinguished bucket getters and come out the end shining and flourishing. Go pick that guy. You know, like I, I have the guys I like, but if they have the guys they like and they decide this is it, like they did with Grimes or quickly, um, that's totally cool. I get that. Yeah, I trust I mean, in Walt Perrin. <laughs> I, yeah, Perrin, Aller, uh, Wes, these guys, I love that they all um, have their opinions w- weighed because I feel like just like our, you know, wing core, I think they're very complementary to each other, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I love the angle that each brings and how those intersect with each other. Uh, so yeah, that definitely cool. Um, so you heard it. You heard Prez's targets and you heard his philosophical musings on the 2022 NBA draft and your New York Knickerbockers as well. I want to thank Prez one more time for taking the time to hop on this debut episode of Nick Film School's draft class. Prez, anything you want to plug before we wrap up here? I'm going to plug draft class, a new <laughs> must, the new must listen podcast. <laughs> I'm also going to plug draft strictly, uh, my podcast, which, uh, weekly now through the end of the draft before I get lazy and start doing it every other week again. Um, the Strickland's just going to have a lot of draft stuff coming out. So there's so much good draft stuff right now on the internet. It's like, a I feel like a kid at Toys R Us. There's always something to read that I have to like close the tab while I'm working because it'll make me not productive and stuff Love like it. that. <laughs> All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in to that interview between myself and Prez. Um, it was a pleasure to get to talk about the Knicks, guards, wings, forwards, bigs, and uh, the players in that 2022 NBA draft class that we might want to see added to that young core the Knicks have already some great favorite prospects listed by Prez. Um, I invite you guys to go even just on YouTube. Don't let people shame YouTube clips. Don't watch the full season highlights. Throw on a couple full games. Look up Tari Eason, you know, full game against Alabama. Um, he had a, he had a great game against Bama. I'm pretty sure this year that is worth a watch. Go check out some full games, some full game tapes of these guys and, and form your own opinions. Come on Twitter. Come challenge me. Come challenge my thoughts. Um, or even just spark debates. You guys know I love talking hoops with you guys. So I'm, again, very excited to be able to host this show uh, just because it opens up so many avenues to get into debate, different prospects, how they would fit here in New York with you guys. I'm thrilled, ecstatic, You know, no other way to put it. So thank you very much for tuning in to this inaugural episode of Draft Class. There's going to be 10 more. So 11 total episodes, um, the final of the bunch coming after the NBA draft. Uh, I I can't wait to go on this journey with y'all. I want to thank y'all in advance for rocking with the kid and coming along. And thank you guys for tuning in to this first episode of Draft Class one more time. Go check out the Knicks Film School Twitter, YouTube. Go check out John Macri, Andrew Claudio, Jeremy Cohen, Ben Ritholtz, and myself on Twitter. We've all got Knicks content coming your way all off season long from the Knicks film school family. Thanks one more time for tuning in. Stay tuned and we'll see you around. Mm -hmm.